Today we're doing a one-part message called Identity. Several months ago, I got a text from some people in our band, and they were sitting around listening to one of my messages. Now, that sounds like a very flattering thing. Like, wow, that's what the band does, is they sit around and listen to your podcast? Like, what a great team we have. In reality, though, they were all laughing in the video. And the reason they were laughing is because what they did was they took one of my messages, and they took the podcast app, and they put it to half speed, and they were listening to my message in half speed. And it was the first message that I did here in this place. And so the tone in my voice along with the inflections and the words I was using and the half speed, made an interesting little thing here. And um, you you know when you go to get your wisdom teeth taken out, and you know that medicine that they give you and how people sound when they come out after they're kind of loopy? That's what I sound like. So you guys, I'm going to play this for you. You guys can enjoy this. Here we go. Oh, man, isn't this exciting? Anybody excited? I'm excited about this, man. I'm so grateful for this awesome opportunity to be here and do what we're doing in this place. (laughs) So there you have it. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? Now somehow, I kind of feel like that's going to be my legacy I leave. You know, when people remember me, it's going to be like, remember that one message we put at half speed? Now you're all going to do it. It's called unprecedented love. Go have fun, okay? But man, that, that, that's, that's the interesting thing about all of us is we want to leave a legacy, right? We want to make our mark. We want to be remembered. We want people to appreciate us and value us and think highly of us and the way that we use our gifts and talents. And all of that falls under the umbrella of our identity, doesn't it? Right? We all can wrestle and struggle with identity issues at one point or another. And I think we struggle with our identity issues in a few different ways. I think the first one has to do with all the voices in our lives. There are lots of voices in our lives that kind of come against our identity and who we are and our value and our worth, you know? I think the number one voice, unfortunately, in a lot of our lives is our own voice, right? Where some of us are our own worst critics and we really can come against ourselves. And when we do something wrong or we have a bad day or we, we remember things maybe even from years and years ago, we never seem to let ourselves forget it. We also, though, have other voices in our lives too, right? Doesn't it seem like everybody around us kind of wants to tell you something about who you are or how you performed or how you either did great or let them down or you you really knocked it out of the park or you completely dropped the ball? I mean, it, it just is incredible the feedback you can get from different people. And some of us, man, we, our entire lives, without even realizing it, we have spent in the shadows of other people's words, right? Other people's voices, different things people have said to us, different ways people have interacted with us, and we have literally spent much of our life trying to prove those voices wrong. We might not even realize it, but that's why we wake up in the morning. That's why we do what we do and how we act the way we act. It's to prove that one voice wrong. I just want to tell you today, you cannot live your life basing your identity on the voices of other people, because if you do, you'll be in big trouble. For one, the opinion can change so frequently, and Another, two different people can give you completely different feedback on the same performance, right? In fact, I'll give you an example. So I'm a Mets fan, and and I'm real nervous about all this Judge Stanton stuff going on over in the Yankee camp right now, you know? So I'm keeping my eye on this. So a few weeks ago, I Googled their two names just to see how spring training was going, seeing if they'd hit like 100 home runs each, you know? And here's what came up, and, and, and I'm not making this up. You can look at the screens. The New York Post said, the Judge Stanton show begins with a dud. That's what the New York Post said. But the New York Times, in the, in the column right next to it, said the Judge Stanton show debuts to, to, to rave reviews. So which one is it, right? Same day, same uh, performance being judged. One said it was great, and one said it was a complete flop, right? 
That sounds a lot like my life. Like there are people who can pat me on the back, great job, Doug, and in the same breath I could turn around and someone can tear me apart. And that's probably what you've experienced in life as well. And so as long as we try to base our identity on the voice of another person and the opinion, we're always going to find ourselves in trouble. So we can't base our identity on our own voice, on another's voice. And there's a third category of voice I want to bring in here. And I might lose some of you for a second, but I want to try to win you back, okay? So here's how this is going to work. Some of us really struggle when it comes to the enemy's voice. Now, who am I talking about? The devil. Now, some of you would instantly say, okay, well, this is where I tune out. Don't believe in that kind of stuff. Wake me up when we get back to the stuff about identity, but I don't want to hear anything about this. All right, so let me try to persuade you that there is a real devil, okay? And here's how I'm going to do it. When is the last time you sat down on your couch at the end of a long day, you turn on the TV, and you watch the news? About after an hour of that, you got up and you said, man, I have high hopes for humanity. No, right? It's not how you respond to the nightly news, right? Because people do terrible, terrible things to each other, don't they? And some things we understand. Somebody robbed somebody. Somebody, okay, maybe the guy was homeless. Maybe the guy didn't have food. Maybe he was going to die that night if he didn't eat. Not that it makes it right, but you can almost wrap your mind around that. But then aren't there some stories you read or hear and you go, what? I mean, a person abducted, chained to a bed for three years? I don't think people just do that to each other. I see somebody behind that kind of evil. And so, yeah, I believe there's a devil. And that devil doesn't just inspire people to do evil to each other. The devil also, one of his main jobs is to accuse you and me, is to lie to us about who we really are. And so, which of these three voices do you struggle with? Probably all of them, right? Probably at one point or another, your own voice, somebody else's voice, or the enemy's voice is messing with your understanding of your identity. Now, there's another way we also struggle with our identity. You see, often it's based on our performance. It's based on what we do or what we don't do. And so we try so hard to find our identity in these different things we can accomplish. I'm telling you right now, some of us in this room, we are trying to find our identity in being a great parent or being a great student or being a great boss or a great employee or a great athlete or musician or artist or maybe just a good person. I just want God to see I'm I'm a good person at the end of the day, right? And we work really hard to find ourselves, improve ourselves in those different ways. But man, it's like running until you get on empty, running on fumes, running to exhaustion, sometimes falling flat on our face. Sometimes we have big, big victories, but we have really, really deep losses too, don't we? I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, The Greatest Showman. It's actually a really good movie. I've seen it a couple times with my family. We enjoy it. And in this movie, don't worry, I'm not going to give anything away. We all know Hugh Jackman gets killed with a lightsaber at the end. So it's, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Some of you guys are like, I, I must have missed that. It was like a post-credit scene or something. <laughs> but, but in this movie, you have this guy who is so driven. And, and at least in the beginning of the movie, you're like, wow, looking at this guy's life. And he, and he wants to do all this stuff, and he has these great dreams. But when you really understand it all, why is he doing it? To make a name for himself. In fact, if you know the backstory, to prove a voice wrong. Make some money, chase some fame, but prove a voice wrong. And God, I'm telling you today, that's what some of us are doing. That's our lives. In fact, in that movie, you have someone right by his side through the whole thing going, I love you now. You don't need the name or the voice to prove anything. I love you now, but he went for the name and the, and the the money and proving that voice wrong, didn't he? And that's some of us right now. That's, that's how we're living life. That's where we are. I don't know about you. I struggle with this. I struggle with this. This is a daily struggle for me. 
Who am I? Am I somebody? Am I, am I leaving the right legacy? Does that legacy matter? Is that what I should be focused on at all? And so today, my job is to help you silence every voice but one. That's my goal today. I want to silence every voice in your life except one. See, I want you to walk out of here today knowing who God says you are. And more than that, or I guess there's more than that, along with that, I want you to know what to do when your identity comes under attack. What do you do? Do you just crumble underneath it? Do you, you ever see the, you know, some of these guys? I feel bad for these guys who play public, you know, sports and they're just such public figures. And, and I mean, the interviewers today will just call them out. They'll be reading tweets. You know, well, this guy says you're the worst athlete he's ever seen. What do you have to say about that? And you just feel horrible for these guys, but half the time they just go, I don't care. I don't care, right? Just, I'll prove them wrong. Sometimes that's us, right? I don't care. All right, fine. Inside, man, our heart is ripped apart. But we kind of put on that, I don't care. Man, what do we do when our identity comes under attack? So we're going to look at that today. I want you to hear what God says about you, and I want you to know what to do when your identity comes under attack. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, so glad you're in the room today. And here's what I need you to know. This problem we're talking about today, this identity struggle, this is not a Christian problem. It is a human problem. Right? It's not just something Christians struggle with. Everybody struggles with this. Let me prove it to you. Whitney Houston, before she passed away, she asked the question, am I good enough? Madonna has said she feels like a gerbil on a wheel and she's tired. She just keeps doing and doing and performing and she's exhausted. Amy Schumer says fame isn't fun. Jim Carrey, who was like the funniest guy in the whole world, went from that to this recluse artist who literally, if you see him, he looks like a homeless person. He looks like he's just completely lost in life. He's been in some really strange interviews in the past few years just talking about the meaning of life and why are we all here. I mean, talk about a guy with some identity struggles. Ben Affleck said this, I feel like a relentless striver who must prove through his work that he has the right to be there. I'm telling you today, if Batman struggles with his identity, then we do too, right? There's a guy who struggles with identity, by the way, Batman. That's another story, okay? But we're going to look today at some fascinating verses that address these identity struggles. We're going to look at Jesus himself. Who better to learn from than Jesus himself? And so we're going to look in Luke chapter 3 to start. And look at what it says here. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And here we go. You ready? And a voice, one voice, the voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. What an incredible scene. I don't know about you guys. There are some scenes that I want when I get to heaven for God to show me. You know, rewind the tape on that. I want to see how that actually looked and played out. And this would be one of those. What a powerful thing. What a huge moment. God hadn't spoken like this in centuries. But here is what you need to see here. Jesus got his identity from the one voice, from his father in heaven. You are my son, whom I love, and you I am well pleased. And this identity, and this is so important for us, is not based on performance. So the two things you and I struggle with are all the voices speaking into our lives. Well, the father addresses the son and says, here's who you are. And all of us struggle with basing our identity on our performance. And here Jesus is getting this affirmation not based on his performance. Now, there's a couple of objections you might have in your mind. Some of you would say, Doug, of course the Father says this about Jesus. He's Jesus. He's perfect. Of course he loves him. Of course he's pleased in him. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But the other objection is this. Doug, you're contradicting yourself. You just said our identity is not based on our performance, but obviously the Father is pleased in the Son because he's been obedient. 
because he's perfect, because he loves, because he's come to save the whole world. Of course, he's pleased in him. There's a couple of things I need you to see. Okay, first thing is, did you notice the order in that verse? Look at the words Jesus used. He says, son, loved, I'm pleased in you. Think about the order of that. Look at it this way. First, you get who Jesus is, the son. Then you get what Jesus is, loved. Then you get what Jesus has done, things God's pleased in. You see that order? It starts out with who you are. You're my child. You're my son. Guys, that's God's heart for you and me. That's where it starts. Then it's, oh, and you know what? You are loved. And then we'll worry about, oh, yeah, I'm pleased in this, and your poor performance here, and this and that. We've got to work on that. Then that comes. But, but that's third on the list. That's last on the list. After you're a child and you are loved. And that speaks to me. That helps me realize where my Father in heaven is coming from. And the other interesting thing about this is, Jesus hasn't done any ministry yet at this point. So God splits the sky, speaks to his son, and tells him who he is before Jesus ever lifts a finger, saves anybody, heals anybody, preaches even one message. We know that because look at the next verse. It says this, Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. So this is telling us before that ministry began, the father said, Jesus, here's what I need you to know. And he was announcing it to the world. This is my son, whom I love, and who I am well pleased in. So, for you and me, where do you find your identity? Is it the Father's voice? Is it based on performance, or is it there before all of that? Our full-time staff is reading a book right now called The Emotionally Healthy Leader, and it's been helping me a lot. It's been helping me with some of my identity issues and my struggles, and it got me thinking a lot about this. And the author, Pete Scacerzo, says this, Jesus' identity was firmly rooted in being the beloved of the Father before he ever engaged the doing of public ministry. So today, I need you to hear who God says you are, and then I need you to realize that that identity comes before you lift a finger. So before you go to work this week, you go to school this week, you parent anything later today, you you interact with your spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend throughout the rest of this day, before you go throughout this week trying to become a better musician or author or painter or artist or all those great things. That's all good. Enjoy all that. But before you lift another finger, I need you to hear me say that the starting point and the ending point is that you are a loved child of God. Starting point, ending point, close of conversation. Then we do everything else. Then we perform. Then we do Then we strive. Then we work hard. Then we love well. Then we parent. All after we realize who we are. Some of you guys might say, well, that's all great, Doug, but, you know, when Jesus was getting baptized, the heavens split and the voice of the Father spoke. That didn't happen when I got baptized. Some of you guys were like, in fact, Doug, all I heard when I got baptized was your voice. You know, thanks so much for that, right? (laughs) But here is the Father speaking to the Son. That's not what we experience. How do we know that he values us like he values Jesus? How do we know that the Father is telling us today that if we're in a relationship with God, that we are his loved child? Can I tell you a couple of ways God's spoken that to you? First off, how about the fact that when you and I were lost and dead in our sin, Father sent the Son to take away our sin. Can, can, can you think of anything that should prove how valuable we are to God more than the sacrifice of his Son in our place? And along with that, the Father has told you who you are. 
It's all in the Word of God. It's all in Scripture. He tells you over and over who you are. In fact, just read this along with me. John 3.16 says that we are loved and saved. John 1.12 says we are God's children. John 15.15, Jesus calls us his friends. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us we're a new creation, not the old people we used to be. Ephesians 1.7, that we're forgiven. 1 John 5.4, that we are overcomers. What do you do when your identity comes under attack? you got to open up God's word. Because that's where you're going to remind yourself, all right, this is who I am. And here in this book is the proof that I am loved and valued. Because the Son of God died in my place. Right. This brings me back. This brings me back to the truth. In fact, let me say it this way. God's word is our greatest defense when our identity is under attack. God's word is our greatest defense. That's what we have to go to. That's what we have to look to and speak and meditate on. And so I've got all these words over here of people that hate me. I've got, you know, voices. I could tell you things. I've told you in the past things when I was seven years old, things that my, you know, kids on my block said to me that I could still remember and still hurt me, you know. I mean, some of you guys would say, I remember, I remember 20, 30, 40 years ago what my parents said to me, my grandparent. Some of you guys are living under the shadow of something a boss said to you, a coworker, an employee. Some of you guys had a teacher or a coach who cut you down so terribly and were living under the shadow of that. And we are running, trying to escape that, trying to prove them wrong. I'm just telling you, most successful people in the world will fail at that every single day. But you and I have the opportunity to live a secure life because God's already told us who we are. We already know because of his word and because of Jesus coming in our place, we already know who we are. But we've got to look to his word in the midst of our identity coming under attack. I want to show you how this plays out. You know what's funny is we often look at this amazing thing that happens here in Luke chapter 3 and the heavens split and Jesus finds his identity in, in, in what the Father says. But then if you just look at the very next chapter, we, we miss the link between these two stories. Look what happens. As soon as Jesus hears who he is from his father, his identity comes under attack. Look at this. Luke 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. I love when the Bible states the obvious. Really hungry? You never would have guessed that, right? After 40 days. But here is Jesus, hungry, physically weak, tired, and the devil comes... And here's what we know. If you've been around church for a while, you know that what's about to follow are these three famous temptations, right? But you know what we've missed all these years? We've missed that these temptations are all rooted in identity. Did you ever think about that? The father says, this is my son whom I love, whom I'm well pleased in. Now watch this. What does Satan say? The devil said to him, if you are the son of God. If. I mean, all right, I know the Father just said you are, but, but if, so I'm calling this into question, if you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So here is the voice that challenges Jesus' identity, like that. The Father has just put the sky and spoken, and Satan comes to question his identity. And then, not only does he question what the Father said, which he so often does for you and me, then he says, okay, if you really are, then perform. Do something. Prove to me. Show me that's your identity. Guys, that's our struggle. Wait, are you really who God says you are? And if you are, you better prove yourself. Those are our two struggles. And here is Jesus being tempted or attacked in the same exact way. And so God tells us who we are, but then we say, yeah, but I got to prove who I am through my parenting or my work ethic. Or I mean, guys, be good at all that, but 
that can't be where we're looking to find our identity. That can't be what's driving us. And guys, I don't know about you, I struggle with that. I struggle with that legacy stuff. I struggle with that leaving a mark stuff. I struggle with, you know, what, are, what do people think? How do I compare to other people in my position? That's hard for me. That's a daily struggle for me. Literally, as I was writing this message, my text goes off and my phone was across the room and I heard Kelly go, oh my gosh. And she kind of held onto the phone. I said, what? She said, nothing. I said, what? She said, I don't really want you to see this right now. I said, well, now I got to see it. What? And she hands it over. And it was a text. It wasn't malicious necessarily, but both Kelly and I instantly realized the potential to make me feel like a really bad leader, a really bad pastor. Right as I'm writing this message, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't need this right now. And, and maybe God's going, yeah, you do. Because here you are about to get up on the stage, tell everybody how our identity is not about performance and about, not about all these external voices that come in on our phones, but, but it's what I say, Doug. So don't worry about what the text says. Find your identity in me. I say you're my child, and I say you are loved. And so don't right now worry about what that says, because that's meant to tear you down. That's just meant to cut. That's meant to call into question all that you are. Find yourself in what I say. So after Satan calls into question Jesus' identity, we see Jesus do exactly what we've, we've been saying should be done. Look what Jesus does. He says, it is written, which means he's quoting scripture. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. So what does Jesus do? As soon as his identity comes into question, he goes back to God's word. That's what we've been saying is the key, right? It's our greatest defense is God's word. Now you might look at this verse, though, and say, but Doug, he brings up a verse about bread. Like, I don't really understand how that really relates to the identity struggle and, and all that. Well, the funny thing is, Jesus didn't finish quoting the rest of the verse, but let me quote it for you. This is found in Deuteronomy. Here's the whole verse. Man shall not live on bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. That's the whole verse. So what is Jesus doing here? Satan comes and says, if you're the son of God, I don't even know about that, Jesus, but if you were, and, and, and if so, then do this, perform. And Jesus goes back to, can I tell you something? <laughs> I, I know whose I am. I belong to my father. I live by every word that proceeds from his mouth. You can tell me to tempt, you know, tempt me to turn all this stuff into bread and you know, feed myself here. No, 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 no. I know who I am, and I know who my God is. I know who my father is. And that's exactly what you and I have to do. When the enemy comes and attacks our identity, we have to turn back to the word of God and speak it out. We have to go right to that truth. And then as the voices come in our head, be it our own, somebody else's, or the enemies. We see how this works so well because if somebody, you know, anybody ever had a friend that likes to see you fail as a Christian? You know, we have those people in our lives. It's almost like they're waiting and you say something you should have said. You get upset and you react in a way you shouldn't. They find something out about your backstory and what does it become? Oh, some Christian you are, right? Yeah, God must really want you right now. And wow, that's a big voice. That's a big attack on my identity at the core. So I'm going to go to John 15, 15, where Jesus calls me his friend. Right? Do you see the power of that? Just, just turns it right back on its head. Then we see another attack on Jesus' identity. Verse 5, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I, give, I can give it to anyone I want to. If you will worship me, it will all be yours. And here is Jesus. 
This is another attack on his identity. Satan is hoping he will forget who he is. Because at the end of the day, who does all the kingdoms of the world belong to? Jesus. Who, do, who will all splendor and power and authority be given back to? Jesus. So, so here in this moment, it's like Satan wants Jesus to forget who he is. Because if, if Jesus forgets who he is, then maybe he'll bite. Maybe he'll fall into it. Maybe he'll go, okay, well, all this is going to be mine anyway someday, but, but man, you know what? Right now, it would feel great to have all this under my authority and my power. And this is where you and I struggle. This is where we wrestle. It's in that moment. It's in the here and now when God is telling us who we are, and here comes our voice, another voice, or the enemy's voice saying, okay, that might be who God's saying you are, but why don't you do this here and now to kind of solidify that? To kind of, kind of prove that. and Let's get some instant gratification kind of thrown in there. And the temptation here is for Jesus to do something to earn what already belongs to him. This is our struggle. You already have all the acceptance in the world that you need. You already have all the love that you need in Jesus. Why am I going to do something to try to earn what has already been given to me? Sometimes when my kids are watching TV, their show will end, and I'll say, okay, my turn, give me the remote. And it's almost like they, they sit there with it going, I'll give it to you, but what are you going to do for me? And I think to myself, no, actually, I don't think it to myself. I say it out loud. Give me the remote, child. I paid for that thing. I paid for the TV. I paid for the couch. The air you breathe, I buy right now. I don't even know if that's true. Probably not. But I am not, right, going to make a deal to buy back or purchase from my child what already belongs to me. But this is exactly what we do every day when we chase our identity, when we chase our worth in our performance or in things or what people might have to say to us. So what do we see Jesus do? Look what it says in verse 8. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus is going, I am not going to forget my identity here. My father is to be worshipped, not you. And one day Jesus could say, I will be worshipped. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that I am the Lord. And so, no, I'm not going to bite. I'm not going to go ahead and try to take that instant gratification. I'm not going to go and try and take what's already been given to me by performing. Guys, I just want you to know you can be secure in what Jesus has already done for you. Should we try to honor God now once we realize we have all that we have in him? Absolutely. I'm not saying we just go out and do whatever we want because, hey, God loves us anyway. No, we love God now. Just like I don't want to hurt my wife. I want to bless her. I want to honor her with the way that I live. So I'm not going to just go out and do whatever I want. I'm in a relationship with someone who loves me. But out of the security of my relationship with my wife, can I live? The same for you and I with God. And so Jesus goes back to the truth. He goes back to God's word. He speaks Leviticus. That's what he just, wrote, uh, that's what he just spoke back here. Worship the Lord your God. Serve him only. Went right back to the word of God. And this is the plan for you and I. It's our greatest defense. It's our greatest weapon when we struggle. Do you know what the truth does? It not only reminds us who we are, but it also shuts the devil up. And we're going to see that in just a minute. Then it goes on. One last temptation. Verse 9. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If, here we go again, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, now Satan thinks he's getting tricky. Oh, he's been using scripture? I'll use some scripture, right? He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. 
And so Satan uses some scripture to try to trick Jesus. And again, we have the identity, identity attack with the if. And then we have, hey, do this. And that'll prove you're God. Right? Same deal. Jesus answered. It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, oof, I like that, man. Again, quotes Leviticus again. But now he's going, hey, hey, hey. I have not forgotten. I am son of God, God in the flesh. Do not put me to the test. And I will not put my father to the test. Verse 13, this is so powerful. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Why? Because he realized he wasn't going to get anywhere. Because Jesus kept going back to the truth in God's word. That's what's going to work for you and me every time. See, it's one thing when you hear the preacher guy on the stage go, hey, here's what you should do. It's another thing when you go, oh, wow, not only is this probably what I should do, it's what works. And when your identity comes under attack, if you begin to speak out the truths of God's word about who you are, about who God is, and about the things God has done in your life, I'm telling you, it's going to shut the enemy up. And will he come back and try you and test you in a different way at a different time? Absolutely. He'll keep looking for those opportunities. And our own voices are still there, and the other voices are still there. But now we have something substantial to sink our teeth into, to be able to say, this is who I am, and this is who God's made me to be. Satan, other voice, my voice, not going to fall for it. I know who I am. And I don't have to perform to earn what God's already story ends out like this, verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. And so Jesus returns, and he had stayed strong and rooted in his identity. And I love that because now, guys, right? Now we see Jesus launched into ministry, and he does incredible things. And some of you guys may say, Doug, I thought it wasn't about doing I thought it wasn't about performing. Jesus goes out and he performs miracles and he does all these great things and he saves people. I thought it wasn't about that. But you ready for this? You have to get the order right. Once Jesus had heard who his father said he was and was secure in that love, now it's time to go do some crazy stuff and see God work through you mightily. Right? Because now I'm not doing it to try to earn something. Now I'm not doing it to try to prove something. I know who I am, and now I can just be free to be who God made me to be and watch Him live life through me. We should have incredible artists, musicians, parents, workers. We should be the best there is because the Holy Spirit of God works in us, and we are rooted in who He says we are. Man, Christians should work hard, should be the best parents, should be the best husbands and wives. I mean, it should just be incredible. Kids in the room should be the best kids in the world because the Holy Spirit is in you, right? But that all comes out knowing who you are. And you are not just a parent, a boss, an athlete, a musician. You are not just that. You are a loved child of God who happens to enjoy those other things. And if you can get that order right, it changes everything. Because the truth is, is when men, when our identity is off, when we don't understand our identity, everything else is off. Watch it affect your parenting, your relationships, your friendships, your work. I mean, when that is off, everything is off. But when it's right, when we get it, it changes everything. So, can I just tell you who you are today? Can I quiet all the other voices? Can we take performance out of the equation for just a minute? And can I remind you that you are a loved child of God? End of story. Not like, Doug, but you don't know. I don't want to hear it, right? You're a loved child of God, but Doug, but Doug. No, shut up. (laughs) Am I allowed to say that in church? I don't know. You are a loved 
child of God. Beginning and end. And all the other stuff, stuff comes out of it now. What a beautiful thing. What freedom we can have. How we can enjoy life. And I'm telling you right now that that truth is going to be challenged by your voice, others' voices, and the enemy's voice every day. But thank God we have his word. Thank God we can go back to the truth. And the truth is going to shut the enemy up. And the truth is going to remind us who we are. And so let's be rooted in that truth and that truth alone. About six months ago, I'd say, I realized something. It shouldn't have taken me almost 40 years of my life, but I realized that there are a million pastors in this world like me. Like a million, you know? Like a million guys, they're doing, you know, I mean, gosh, guys so much more gifted than me and so much better at what I do. I mean, there are just a million pastors in this world like me, but there's only one child of God like me. The same is true for you. There are a million great parents out there. There are a million awesome artists, musicians, athletes, bosses, workers, employees, teachers, doctors, nurses, firemen, I mean, plumbers. There are a million of them out there. And we get lost in that and be intimidated by that. Or we could say, well, then maybe those things are too small for me to find my identity in. That's the truth. Being a parent's great, but it's too small to find your identity. And being a great husband or wife, man, it's so important. God cares about that, but not what your identity is. Working hard, being smart, using the gifts and talents and creativity God's given you, yes. But that's not who you are. You are a loved child of God. And when that comes under fire, you've got to get back into the word of God and say, okay, this is the truth. God, I've had my heart ripped out by what somebody said. Maybe it was today, maybe it was 40 years ago, but my heart's been ripped out. God, I need to just sit here and almost be soaked in the truth of what you say about me. Something I, got, I want you guys to carry with you. Read this with me. God's word is the answer to all our identity issues. Every single one. So I could wake up really insecure in the morning. I get in God's word. I go, wait, wait, wait. Okay, this is who I am. And this is who God says I am. And I can think about all the other great things happening in the world out there. and want to leave my mark, make my legacy. No, no, no. That's worth nothing. That is literally worth nothing. What if I just enjoy life and be free knowing that I'm loved by God, and I am his child. Nothing like that. I've had the pleasure of coaching all three of my kids in sports. I've done Kate and Landon in baseball and Brynn in basketball. And with baseball, I can communicate pretty easily with my guys out on the field. You know, it's a slow-paced game, big open field. I can yell out. I can run out. I can find them pretty easily. I mean, at this stage, Cade's, Cade's game's you know, are exciting, and the parents are watching, Landon's games, people are knitting, <laughs> Maybe they're playing, you know, checkers, chess on the side, you know, it's like the kids running around the bases, and what's happening now, I don't know, literally kids out in the field throwing sand at each other, it's wonderful, but anyway, and so you're out there coaching, and, and I can communicate with them, because it's kind of slow, you got this big open field, but man, Bryn's basketball games is another thing, because you have this tight space, fast-paced game, you know, I'm yelling, the assistant coach is yelling, then you got, of course, all the parents yelling on the other side, yelling about the kids, yelling about the ref, yelling about me, you know, everybody, you know, and my goal and my job is to get every voice out of those girls' heads but mine. Guys, don't listen. I love your parents. Don't listen to them right now. <laughs> listen to me. Don't worry about what your teammates say. Don't listen to the girls on the other team, that's for sure, right? No, no, no. One voice. And I will lead you, and I will tell you what you should do. And most importantly, when you come back, 
off the court to sit on the bench. I will slap you five, and I will tell you great job. Don't worry about the shots that you miss. That doesn't define who you are. Some of us running around out on that court, listening to all the million voices. We have to learn to only hear one. We have to learn to only tune in to what our Father is saying. He's spoken to us by sending His Son to die in our place. That's some big news about how valuable you are. And He's given us His Word to know, meditate on, get in our heart, and speak back out when we come under attack. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope today you hear what Jesus has done and what He wants to do in your life and the way He wants to move in your heart and in mine. And He wants you to be secure and rooted in His love. And He wants you to be able to say, I am the love child of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the way that you have given us the opportunity to be your children. God, it doesn't make any sense, and yet it's true. It's, it's the best news in the whole world. It's too good to be true, and yet it's the reality that we live in. And I thank you, God, for your love for us and your grace and your mercy. I thank you for your forgiveness, and I just pray you will help us, God. This is hard. This is a daily battle for, I would guess, 100% of this room. And God, I just pray that we will not live our lives in the shadows. We will not live our lives running, trying to prove a voice wrong. But God, we will just be free to be who we are, who you've made us to be, forgiven, loved, valued. And we will enjoy what you've called us to do. God, help us to get it right. Loved, child then what we do. Let it all flow out of that identity. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you just pray about that for a little while? Would you have some honest conversations with God? Would you ask him to heal your heart from some very specific hurtful wounds you've carried for maybe years, decades even? And would you get into his word? If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him today, I just encourage you to pray something quiet like this to God. Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. That shows me how valued I am. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that my relationship with you is not about a performance, but it's about your mercy and your grace, your forgiveness and your love. God, help me to understand your word as I open it. Help me to realize who it says that I am. I thank you for this gift of salvation that I can never earn. In your name I pray, amen.